For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hello, hello. We're back. Hi, Hi guys. Hi. Hi, I'm Josie. Hi, I'm Yasmeet. Oh, wait. That was perfect. Wait, do I have to sing yeah, it? Yeah, no, you have to sing it. No, you have to sing it. No. Please, Alicia, Alicia. Well, she's actually going to sound good. That's the difference. No, I'm not singing it. Alicia, Hi. please. I'm, I'm Alicia. <laughs> this reminds One, me two. of that like clip that went viral on TikTok of Ariana Grande going, He didn't say I couldn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one knows. I don't know that clip. I don't know that clip either. What? I'm just gonna okay, add cool. that. Let's start over. No, Hi. we should. Okay. Hi, I'm Josie. <laughs> Hi, I'm Yasmin. Hi, I'm Alicia Pascual Peña, and this is Dare We Say. Hi. Say we dare. Oh, sorry. Is that the remix? What's this episode about today? We're going to be talking about how Gen Z slang and its origins, more specifically, we'll get into how AAVE and Black queer ballroom culture has influenced the words that we say today, and how often those communities are forgotten when these words enter mainstream. So if you say slay, yes, period, and things like that nature, then listen up and get into this episode with us. So that means every single person who's ever been on TikTok, and I'm saying every single white girl at the University of Alabama who like meets (laughs) one gay person, it's like slay! No. Slay queen! But not not just like Alabama, but like Ashley at UMesh or like, you know, yes. Sarah. Not her calling out the names. It's yes. girls as well. Sarah, Sarah at Columbia. And I'm disgusted that I know this because my algorithm must be broken because I had a sorority TikTok <gasps> come up on my For You page and I was livid. We should all. But it's, I want it's you Rush all, Week. It's Rush Week. You love Rush Week. I, I can't wait for Alicia to. That do. was the most oppressive thing you've ever said to me. I'm going to need you to go away. And Bye. this is just going to be Josie and I talking. Thank you I'm very leaving much. the episode. Have a good one, you guys. Bye. Bye. All right, let's get into it. Hi, guys. Don't forget to follow us at Dare We Say on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dare we say. Oh, sigh. Huh. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the amount of choices there are out there? Whether you're shopping for cereal, toilet paper, or the newest and trendiest boots there are, there's so many options. It's hard to know what's best for you. But when it comes to finding skincare products that actually work, it's even more overwhelming. Sigh. I've been dealing with, and I know we've talked about this again, perioral dermatitis and eczema. You've got eczema? Yes, I do. My whole life. And when I say to you guys, apostrophe has actually been there for me when my own dermatologist couldn't even been there. That's exhausting. And I'm grateful for apostrophe for that reason. So apostrophe, apostrophe is the on- most consistent person in your life. I mean, you're not, you're not lying. I have a codependent relationship for your relationship with apostrophe. Do you understand that my relationship with apostrophe, like how many people lean on that for a pillar of hope, <laughs> for a pillar of consistency? Literally. The whole United States 
The, the democracy lies on my relationship with apostrophe. And so what is apostrophe, Alicia? <laughs> I felt like I felt like I was on a variety show. Um apostrophe. Honestly, you know how I am. It's it's really embarrassing to say, but I I'm not the best with skincare. I do mm. not I do not know what all the skincare galleys know on like TikTok and stuff. So apostrophe makes me feel better about my skincare experience. They make it easy. They facilitate the experience and it just finding skincare products that actually work for my skin and makes it less complicated. And that's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe and them sponsor this episode. We're very grateful. So Apostrophe, if you don't know, girl, now you do, is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. So all you have to do is fill out this online consultation about your skin goals and medical history and then snap a few selfies and which you already do, girl. And a board certified dermatologist will create your first customized treatment plan. Like Apostrophe offers access to treatments for all types of acne, for hormonal acne to facial acne to even back and chest and butt acne because there's all those types, and they treat breakouts from head to toe. They truly just make my life easier. I had a zit on my ass once, an apostrophe helped me. Normalize it. They're like... Normalize it. Zits are literally everywhere, and apostrophe is going to like... It's the machine gun in in Color of Duty. Uh, It's going to take it all out. And you guys, you guys... I am so excited right now because you know what I feel like? I feel like Oprah. I feel like Ellen DeGen telling everyone to uh, look under their seat and it's like a copy of Mindy Kaling's <laughs> memoir. But instead of that, we actually had a special deal for our audience. You can get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash dare. Can you guys, for $5, tell me what you can get for $5. I mean, let's be honest. Because of inflation, not much. When you use our code dare, that's savings of $15. And you know what they say, $15 can save you 50% or more on apostrophe. And this code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash dare, your favorite way to end a sentence and our favorite way to fix our face and click get started. Once you go to apostrophe.com slash dare, then use our code dare at sign up and you'll get your first visit for what? What did I say? Only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. All righty. Guys, chicas, my sisters, people are like kind of obsessed with the way that Gen Z talks. Because the internet moves so quickly and our generation is so online, Zoomers pick up so many new terms so fast. And since the words are usually pretty fun or funny, young people use the terms and tend to go viral and then get associated with the slang. But a lot of the time, Gen Z didn't come up with that vernacular that's associated with them. Instead, it comes from a long history of American dialects that exist because communities that are minorities, specifically BIPOC and queer people, had to stick together to form a safe space where they were able to communicate in a way that only their community really grasped. So it's a question whether our broader generation should even be using these terms at all. Yeah. So first and foremost, I do want to define AAVE. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about is African-American vernacular English, 
which is a dialect that is acknowledged as a real dialect. Like mm-hmm. Stanford, Oxford, all these um, institutions, academic institutions have said that this is a dialect. It's a real form of language. And then obviously queer ballroom culture that just now, like within the last two years, um, has vernacular and terms that they use that have become mainstream as well. To start out this conversation, now that we have defined what exactly we're talking about, AAVE slash abonic slash ballroom and queer BIPOC um, vernacular, what slang do you guys use? And do you know where it comes from? I say slay every second of the day. You do. And you I do. do. I do. And <laughs> and I'll tell you, the Arabs did not come up with it. Oh my God, really? I no, didn't know they that. did not. Okay. It's fair. Um, it came from um, ballroom culture, um, specifically... I recently watched Paris is Burning, every ally ever, who's like, I'm, I'm an ally. You texted me, do you want to watch it? I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times. I, well, I, I've, <laughs> I feel like I needed to see it, A, because if I'm going to use the word. Well, why not watch it again, Alicia? She was going to. I was with she was my mother. To. She texted me, come here. And I said, no, because. You're... Yeah, so I actually did watch it again. Because I was not. But. Yeah, you, we were going to. Yeah. Um, And it was just so astounding how so many of the words, like, shade, reading, slay, like everyday words that people use who have no idea where they stem from and in the gravity it really holds. And I had to check myself as well. Like I went to bed like thinking like, do I even get to say those words? Truly. Mm-hmm. That's like a powerful revelation. For me, I honestly feel like I didn't use those words when I was younger or maybe I did when I was younger. I don't know. Because I didn't want to come off as queer when I was younger. Which which mm. I think made me a better ally to those communities. Because I wasn't really appropriating. Because I was trying to pretend to not be <laughs> queer. Ally! But, but then as life went on and I discovered like my own identity through being like trans and stuff. And like seeing like my trans people that I look up to, like, use certain vernacular, like, period, like, slay, like, I mean, certain trans vernacular, like, you know, like, clocking or, like, something being fish or something, like, whatever. But I realized, like, that Mm. doesn't stem from, like, white trans people. It stems from, like, black trans people who started those terms and cultivated those terms. But 100%, I used to not know that. I mean, I remember saying so much all the time. And I think obviously, not I mean, not obviously, I think becoming friends with you, Alicia, was super helpful because you were the first person to be like, uh, that's actually not, you know, where it's not your people that said that. And um, even though I was aware of what appropriating meant, I feel like because our world is so ingratiated in this inappropriating like I feel like our generation literally is Ah. branded by appropriation I mean but it's also not just our generation I feel like culture society in general and culture is naturally a vulture of other people's culture Mm. and sound like a haiku um that that was a sonnet just take a second (laughs) that was such a beautiful poem because of you I started correcting other people and sometimes I feel like I did it (laughs) a little too much and (laughs) Cut to the wide, please. Cut to the wide. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There we go. And um, anyway, but, you know, I remember, you know, just being in the car with so many people and being like, oh, you can't say that or you can't say that. And then I just became like a, like a white, um, like a white savior. Anyway, continue. 
No. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Ugh, I freaking love you. I'm so sorry. I have to mention. This is such a random ass story, but it just popped into my brain. I will never forget. Josie and I were in the van, right? Leaving work after like a 14, 15 hour day. And someone had said something so offensive. They used a slur. Like they are a non-black person that used a slur. Oh, God. And I think that I was, and mind you, you guys know me very well. I have no problem turning around and checking someone. Yeah. And I will never try to do it with malice. I never try to do it in a weird way. I actually try to use it as an educational moment. And by no means am I saying that I know everything. But usually I am the person in the room to be like, hey, that's not okay. I would appreciate if you didn't say that. I was so just disgusted and so in shock. And I didn't have the words because I was so depleted emotionally after that very long day. And Josie so beautifully did not need to be told, um, did not need to be asked. She just immediately stuck up for me. and made the person who was the most at risk and the most affected by what had been said feel protected. Good. So being me as the yeah. black person in the room. And she was just like, that is not okay. Yep. And mind you, like this was pretty early on in our friendship and it just meant the world. Mm. It meant the world and she shot it down so quickly and was like, that is offensive. You should not be saying that. You will not say that around us. Mm-hmm. And didn't make it this grandiose moment yeah. and we kept on pushing. And I thought it was really beautiful. And I was like, that's... That's friendship, that's allyship, and that's also, like, the world would be a better place if it looked like that. Yeah. And this is so random, but it came to my head. And also, also it was kind of funny because Josie's Josie, so there's a comedic tone to anything. I was like, I was like, where, I was like, are you black? (laughs) That was a friend. I can so imagine her saying, looking, she looked at her straight up and she goes, are you black? Do you identify as as a black woman? And she was like, no, I identify as this. And I was like, so you're not black, right? I was like, so don't say that. But it's also like that. And then she read her. But that's when it's easier to correct someone because a slur is a slur, obviously. But I feel like where yeah. the line it becomes a little bit less clear, a little bit more gray area, is when it's like it's not <laughs> the way a slur. She's doing but this it's dance like, when she's like, it's the gray area. Yeah, it's 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 like the abonics of it all. Exactly when it's like you know things like that part. Period. Slay. I mean, what are the other like? What are words that we hear? On Heard TikTok? you. Yeah. Like all the oh, time. Oh, no cap. Bet. Like, see, yeah. The so word bet. I. Oh yeah, no cap. No, yeah, like no cap. Dead ass. Like, okay, so obviously, like most people know. I, also, because every New Yorker like brands themselves with with everyone knowing this, but um, like being from the Bronx, being from New York, we speak a totally different language, and I love that about us. We fully live in a bonics, right? But because of survival you code switch a mm. lot. You know what I mean? And then this is where we start to get into like the culture vulture and like it's just unacceptable to me if you didn't come from an area or you never spoke like this or even more importantly, I had people drag me in high school and I had people make fun of me and tell me that that was an uneducated way to speak and now speak like that because it's more mainstream. Of course. Or, and it's like, let me clout. Let me, that's not English. Let me get clout. Because I'm speaking like this, even though black people in this country are still discriminated against 100%. or looked down upon. And honey, I can bring out court cases. A lawyer sued a school district because they were seeing that African-American students in the school district, I'm forgetting exactly where this was, um, were being looked down upon and were being told to not speak that way in class. Like, huh. There's a difference between grammar and then telling children how you speak at home is unacceptable. Basically, are you speaking white? Yeah, speak and, white. exactly. And it's like about proximity to whiteness and, you yep. know, associating. And 
And and then also there, like, there's this other aspect, right? Of like, for example, in the George Zimmerman case, Trayvon Martin, where his life was taken unjustly. Well, death is just unjust in general. He was murdered because mm-hmm. of racism. That is point blank period what happened. A young boy was murdered in the streets um, by a person that thought it was okay to take a black person's life. Um, and George Zimmerman, who was on trial, there was obviously testimonies of how this was unjust. This was unacceptable. He needed to serve time, which isn't justice. Justice would be that Trayvon Martin would still be here, but that he would be facing consequences and be held accountable for what had happened. Correct. And there were testimonies throughout the case. And one of the women specifically um, was giving her testimony and was mainly speaking in AAVE. Mm. And there was the argument made that because of the vernacular in which she was using and because of how she was speaking, it was deemed unacceptable and her testimony wasn't as valid. And then research and due diligence was done after the case and lawyers deemed that one of the reasons that he got served with what he was served was because of the discrimination towards the black people giving testimonies. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So all of that goes to say in that awful case, in that awful instance, that people love to say that, oh, it's just a few words. Because Josie has seen people tell me that. When I was like, hey, I don't feel that comfortable with you using that language. Or did, did you grow up speaking that way? Or were people that you were raised with speaking that way? Because I do ask curious questions as well. Because I don't know people's history, right? But a lot of people throw on this black scent and code switch for fun and for commodity, not for survival. I've had to code switch out of survival and say it's not that big of a deal. Well, that's not true. Because this ends up being very problematic in a lot of ways. Not only in companies, not only in just schools, like everywhere. on social are, media, yeah. in schools, and then in law. Because still to this day, black people are facing discrimination and aren't allowed to talk like this in, in workplaces and are deemed uneducated and lazy and are fighting these, these ideas put on black people from minstrelsy and yeah. the times in which black people were enslaved. Because AAVE goes all the way back to the way individuals who were enslaved. So black people in this country, when they were enslaved on plantations, had to create their own language. Yep, to survive. To survive. And it's kind of the same thing with like the queer community. They created this language out of community, out of out of um, cultivating a place where they felt safe because society wasn't yeah. protecting them and making them feel safe. And then there's this really interesting intersectionality, right? Between black AAVE and Ebonics and then ballroom culture. Yeah. What we're trying to pinpoint here and show is that there is a distinct double standard between when one type of person uses this language and another type of person. And that these words are not just words, because I feel like we hear a lot of people, a lot of white people in social media, not just white people, people they might be people of color and may just not be black people or they may be Arab people who are not black people say, oh, I grew up around these people. It was okay for me to say it, you know, but to those people, I just Mm -hmm. tell them like, you know, when you say it, it's cool and it's fun and it's edgy and, you know, you're, you sound like you're in a rap song, but when what we're trying to show you is like when a, when a black person says it or uses that, language they are persecuted for it and are told that they are all of these derogatory terms and discriminated against so it's not just words is what we're saying exactly completely it holds gravity i see in like tiktok a lot of these influencers and like dancers i'm not gonna i don't want to name names Mm -hmm. 
but they they'll say like per mm-hmm. period slay um yes queen yes girl when i'm i i genuinely pose the question that if you are one of those people who say that do you know where that came from mm-hmm. do you know the gravity of what that holds because like and i you know you brought up the queer community and ballroom culture and a um in ebonics I watched, uh, there's a film called Paris is Burning that everyone should be watching. And I know we mentioned that. And it's not just, oh, if you're an ally, you should watch it. Like, I genuinely wholeheartedly think it should be an, our, our Well, you should curriculum. be knowing who people are that have shaped this culture historically. Uh, a thousand percent. Queer and black people create everything you Every do and thing. everything you see. So do your due diligence and know where things are coming from. Especially because white TikTokers and exactly what Josie said, not just white people, but people that don't come from these specific communities love to cosplay and use this language. And just like what Josie was saying, thank you, it's the double standard. So not only is it like invalidating black people's experiences who've created this, but now people are making money and getting growth and progression in society because they're using the language. When mind you, still to this day, as a black person, and I do use Ebonics very frequently, um, and I try not to engage in respectability politics, obviously like, you know, the, the, you speak differently in different spaces. But when I speak in Ebonics, it can still be deemed as ghetto or ratchet. Or people will invalidate what I say. Whereas when white people use, oh my gosh, like they're just so... They're so, they're so the times. They're so, they're so the lit. Times. Which also, if you're still saying woke... If you're so, I'm and also, sorry. side note, if you're white and I've heard plenty of white people, do not use the word ghetto to me. And do not say ratchet. And do not, like, don't do it. Because I won't be happy. And I'll tell you that I won't be happy. Let's talk about those words because I think there are some people that are yeah. so, you know, misinformed that I, mean, I don't know why they still wouldn't know that those words are bad. But like, let's talk about why those words are not OK to use and words like the G word and like ratchet and, you know. Yeah. Words that I even used to use. I mean, why am I acting like I'm motherfucking Teresa? We all know yeah. here I've come a long way. But like those words were <laughs> used as weapons yeah. against black people to dehumanize them, to other them, to monstrize them and make black people feel less human. And that's why over the years, the words ghetto, ratchet, all these things are associated with white yep. people's ideals of blackness or it's not all white people's, but like white supremacist ideals of blackness. And like, which is why it's incredibly problematic to use those words. Cause when you're saying, Oh, that's ghetto. It has a connotation. That's not entirely about the aesthetic of something. It's attached to a community and a group because of the way that our society has attached it. And a survival mechanism. I know like I used to say woke back in the day, and I think I was in college when I actually read up on what it meant. And it means uh, black people used to say it when police were there um, and just stay woke, stay aware, stay safe. It's literally a survival method. And people are using it like stay informed. Like that leads me to now on TikTok, I'll see it used. So like in New York, we always say like, yo, she a op. Like, yo, there's ops. Like. This shit just got knocked. Mm-hmm. That means, like, for some people, they would be like, what did Alicia just say? What does that so mean? So let me translate. Yeah. What I just said, yo, there's finna be ops there. Like, that shit finna be knocked. Means there are going to be police officers there. It will not be safe for us as black and Latin people. And um, it's going to be hit up by the police and maybe raided. It won't be safe for us urban people. 
go home. That is what I just said. So it is what you're saying. Like, not only is there like empowerment of a culture and a society that like has been oppressed. That's what minorities yeah. are, right? As queer people or as black people. But it is also like that safety aspect as well. And now I've seen white people be like, oh my God, he's such an op. Like what? Girl, do you know what that means? Were you saying that two years ago? No, and they do you know what that means? No, they don't. No. No, they don't. Fiona said, Fee, this is really great. It's a lot of people who will uh, describe like predominantly black neighborhoods as sketchy. Like, I don't want to go to Skid Row. Ah! Like, ah! The, the, ah! I can't go there. It's really sketchy at night. I don't want to walk alone. Oh, so there's a lot of black people there. So you just, exactly. just say that. That's I, the other thing. Say, it's like, I, I learned really quickly okay. at a young age, ghetto, ratchet, sketchy meant black. Like, let's yeah, talk about it. Trying we live to in Los- like, yeah, let's let's talk about it. Let's be honest. I personally go out in downtown LA a lot, right? And I know people that are like, the places that you go are always so fun. They always play that music. That's that so music. cool. Wait, can we say that, that music? Exactly, that, that music. music. That okay. is so cool. And these are genuine conversations I have on a weekly basis. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Like, it's a vibe. Like, you know, like my friends. We found places down there that we like, whatever. It's because it's predominantly black spaces. And I'm going to go where I feel safe and empowered. All that goes to say, what makes me laugh is I've heard um, a lot of people say, I would never go downtown. I refuse to go downtown. And I'm like, why is that? And you know, sometimes people say the very politically correct answer is like, oh, parking. It's so hard to drive. And then I've had… It's actually easier than any… It's easier than West Hollywood. I'm sorry. And then it's funny because people that don't even know how problematic it is will be honest and be like, you just… Lisa, you feel safe down there? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, a, I'm aware of my surroundings and I know that I'm a young woman in America, but like I'm smart, I'm pretty intuitive. And and like also this places I go, I feel safe and I'm around a lot of black people. And it just it makes me laugh because it's cool when people decide it's to be cool. It's like that quote, like everybody wants to be black until it's time to be black. And it's nah. like everybody wants to like everybody wants to do queer shit until it's like actually dealing with. Like homophobia and transphobia and, and what it means to be a queer yeah. person in a nation that's still dealing with discrimination. Also, random shout out to Cuba, um, just legalizing gay marriage. Yeah, yeah. Wait, which I is, was like, what the fuck just happened? I know you were like, we you're were like, like, shout out Cuba. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, we we will shout out Cuba. Jo- Josie was like, Elise is going through her mental breakdown, but no, shout out to Cuba. It's super late, but I've just Josie, you were gonna say something. I want to say that, um, you know, you can say you don't want to go to an area because you don't feel safe in that area. I mean, downtown is historically ha- has not been like a hundred, a very, a very safe area. And but it's it's you have to ask yeah, yourself. No, you sure. ask yourself why are you saying that? You know what I mean? When you say, yes, oh, it's yeah, sketchy, yes, it's like, well, why are you saying it's sketchy? Is it because it's predominantly yeah. full of black? and brown people or is it because it's full of people who yeah. are historically disenfranchised and who come from lower incomes or exactly like you know it's like no one's asking you to be like to to change completely like your perspective on where you go even because we also have friends that are black that say they don't want to go downtown and yeah. that say that they judge downtown but it's it's yeah. why you're saying that, what you mean by that. And I don't know yeah. why I felt the need to explain that because I don't want people to be like, oh, I don't no, feel safe going to this back alley or whatever, you know? No, because I mean- it's it's also like it's also like be smart. Like I'm I'm very aware of the world. Like I've told friends of mine, like, don't go to where I'm from. Like, like my family's from the south of Bronx. Like, I do not want my little 
college friends from Poughkeepsie, New York, who have never been in that area, don't know how to work a train system to go to certain parts of the world. Like, please preserve your safety. But I think it's exactly what Josie's saying. Like, why exactly are you saying that? Or like, why are you saying this place is so urban? It's so cool. Urban. Is that it, word? Is it, is, like, also, yeah, why am I so getting urban? Should not be drop urban. that shit. Dictionary. And with, that's to Hollywood specifically because I've seen why am the I still getting breakdowns? Alicia gets. I showed it's them to all you. breakdowns, and it's like uh, urban speaks in black vernacular. Urban. Okay, just say it then. You're being like that. You're being racist. Like, like that. That's it's inherently racist, and you know the people who are writing these character breakdowns are white individuals. Exactly. You know that a thousand and ten percent. I've straight up asked like my manager who I'm who I adore um and is a lovely black woman herself. I've said like who's directing this, who's writing this? Huh. Because it's funny because sometimes I don't even know to that I need to ask. Because I can read something that is telling a story about a disenfranchised individual from a low income community and tell that it was written by a black person because there's authenticity and specificity that I can feel because I am that, right? And there are times I don't even need to ask because I see it and I read it and it doesn't feel authentic and words are being misused and AAVE is being used improperly. Yeah. And it's like the so, same thing that you see on social media. Like you have seen brands like Dolls Kill or other random ass brands, freaking CVS, been like, it's giving fall season. It's giving, Come it's pick giving. Up. And I'm it's like, giving. it's giving what, sis? What are you talking about? It's like not my accent, not, not my whole accent coming out. That? And then it's like also like with with the queer community, right? Like it makes my skin crawl, and it's it's sad because I'm like, how do my siblings feel who are gender nonconforming or trans and from these communities, and this is how they speak to survive or how they speak only to feel empowered. And you have like Miss Girl from Texas being like slay sis, period. And I've had so many of like. My queer siblings be like, it's invalidating because now I feel like you are looking at me like as a character and invalidating my humanity and just associating uh, words yeah. with my experience. Yep. And I'm like, T. I just think we should be clear here in, in what we're talking about it. So I want to ask you, Alicia, who, I, it's like not only who is allowed to say what, but who knows who is allowed to say what and what do we ask of people when we hear a certain vernacular? I mean, I think we just ask yeah. people to like look things up. If you don't know what something means, you probably shouldn't say it. And that's something that Alicia say it. has had to tell me. I say it every day. Most every day. No, not every day. Yeah. yeah. No, not Once you. A, not okay. you, baby. But, I was saying other people. But, 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 but like, 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 what do oh we God, do Diana. in a world where? <laughs> Our society is so convoluted with appropriation that we might mm. not know that yeah. we're saying something that is appropriating. And who is allowed to say what? And how are we supposed to know who is allowed to say what? And also, like, is there ever going to come a time <laughs> where where you don't have to be allowed? Or should we just respect for the rest of eternity people's vernacular as their own community? And at one point, does appropriation mm crossover to appreciation or is appreciation yeah, Josie. non-existent in vocabulary? What we call pop culture is everything that is taken from Black, queer, yep. indigenous people. Yep. That is a fact. Um, and, you know, we're seeing with trends now, like right now, super recent, like just three days ago, Halle Bieber. Nothing against her. You know, I think that she was just expressing. Haley Bieber. Oh, Haley. Oh, my God. But I want you to answer Anyways, my I question. Will, I, will, I will answer your question. I will answer your question. But I'm answering what Yas said as well. I will answer your question. Um, 
but like the brownie lip trend or whatever, like uh-huh. this, the clean girl aesthetic, whatever. I'm like, black women have been doing that forever. Latino women have been doing that forever. And if anything, we were deemed as like, oh, urban ratchet girls who had the nails and had everything that white people are having now. And now it's cute and popular. Which is I mean, okay. I'm, I'm technically doing that right now. <laughs> No, Wait, so, but do you understand but, what I'm saying? But to answer so your question, you say to, yes, I understand. No, what no, is, no, makes no, it okay? No, what makes it no. doesn't? That no, 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 because now you brought up another thing. So now I'm talking about this other thing because I'm, I'm just okay. like, what do you say to Haley Bieber? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you? Oh, and like moments like that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. What do you say to her? Because I mean, clearly, I don't know her past. I think she has some possibly problematic things in the past. I mean. Sony, who hasn't? But like, from what I do know of her, is that she seems to be a progressive, more progressive queen. And I have seen her uplift black women. And like, so to someone like her who probably didn't even know that making her lip liner like that and putting her gloss like that, like, what do you say to her? How could she have done better? And how can she do better? For sure. I think all these are great questions and I'll answer all of them, specifically for Hallie. Haley. Haley. I knew this. I knew this. You said Haley. I'm sorry. Haley. Haley. So I seem, I seem like an awful person. <laughs> prejudiced against white names. <laughs> they can't Let it be just, known. Alicia they can't is just prejudiced be against like Caucasian whites. names. No, I was trying to spice it's it up. Haley, it's Haley. So much respect. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So much respect to Haley. I actually agree with you, Josie. I think that she is like a progressive woman. I don't know her in detail. I'm not like the best with keeping up with models and stuff, as you guys know as I butchered her name. Anyways, specifically what I would tell someone like Hailey Bieber is like, so many people are like in uproar and livid at the girl. Like, am I livid with her? Am I super angry at Hailey? Absolutely not. One, it's like, maybe don't give something a name. You know what I mean? Like, she called it like, so ready to wear like this brownie lip trend. And it's like a lot of like, black and queer bloggers and social media people are like, okay, don't give it a name if you don't want to be empowered behind that name. Mm. One, right? But I don't think that she did it from a place of malice. And it's like, it's less problematic that Haley did this thing. Do I love that she did it as a black woman? I'll be honest, no. But I don't think that she meant it with malintent. I think the bigger problem that we need to be talking about is like, why do we still live under an infrastructure and a society and algorithms that empower that, but not empower the black and queer people that have always been doing that. 100%. So Haley isn't the issue. She is just a product of it. She is an example within the paradigm Mm. in which we live under Mm. that uplifts whiteness, that empowers and perpetuates the trends of white people, even though the black people have created it and have always been doing Mm. it. You guys have seen me take a black liner to my lip with gloss in the middle. And where have I gotten that? From my black-owned beauty store. And I've been doing that since I was a little girl when I get my edge control. So it is frustrating and invalidating. Am I livid with her? No. Did she mean to do it? No. Like, I think I am a pretty empathetic and intelligent person. I understand that she didn't do it with malice. Even though I have seen TikToks of white people um, be like, like, I'm not stopping using AAVE. It's Gen Z slang. Like, or I'm not going to stop doing that, even being held accountable. And there are so many celebrities that I won't even give them the airtime. But there are so many celebrities who have been called out and black people or queer people have tried to hold them accountable being like, hey, you're being a culture vulture. This is appropriation, not appreciation. We don't like it. And they continue to do it because they get money from it. And those people I will actively be angry at. And then the conversation about like vernacular in general. Look, I understand how language works. I understand how cultural diffusion works. 
the the innate nature of linguistics. What does that mean? That's what I'm explaining yes. right now. Okay. The nature oh. of linguistics and the way that language evolves, right? Is we gain language from other things. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about this, Yaz. Spanish and Arabic, ha- or and even a lot of other languages, have similar sounding words yeah. because of cultural diffusion, because Completely. people traveling the world, because of immigration, right? So I understand that like naturally there will be words that go into the mainstream and can be used and will be coming from black people, but it's like ask yourself a slew of questions before you use it. When did you start hearing it? Where does it come from? If it was coming out of a non-white person's mouth or a non-cis-hetero person's mouth, how would you feel about it when they say it? Mm. Do you laugh when other people say it? Because it seems unnatural to who you are in your spirit. Ask yourself, can I actually break down what this word means? Am I using it improperly? Um, Do I hear other white people use it a lot? Do I mainly hear it in rap songs and being said from people that don't look like me? Mm. would my mom and dad be okay with me saying this word? Because I've walked into the White Houses of, like, <laughs> the, the, the political White Houses, no. I walked into my friend's houses who She walked are, into Joe Biden's house. Exactly. Um, and I walked into their houses and heard them code switch because their parents would deem it undesirable how they were talking. Uh-huh. So if you wouldn't say dead ass and bet and no cap in front of your parents because they would be like, stop talking like that. You're talking like the street then don't talk like that ever. Because not everyone not everyone has the privilege of going in and out of spaces and putting it on and taking it off. I'm glad that you brought something that's really important up that I think a lot of people don't know, which is code switching and what that means for a Black person, a BIPOC person, um, or even, I don't know if this is a thing in the queer community um, or if it's just in the black community, but changing your vernacular to assimilate and be safe in any given situation, whether it's as a black person, changing your vernacular in a place of work to assimilate because you could be fired from using AAV in not just the corporate world, but any place of work or whether it's changing your vernacular to assimilate in a predominantly white school because that certain language isn't used. And I know that's something that affects you on an everyday basis, Alicia. So I don't know if you wanted to talk about how that affects you and also how you view that when it comes to language. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great question. Thank you. Um, Growing up, code switching was something that like I violently did because I had to survive. And because Mm -hmm. frankly, I think you guys know this, but I learned later on in life I equated a lot of my self-worth with intellect Mm. and my academic achievements because I felt like because I was the only black woman in most of the spaces I was in, because I always went to predominantly white institutions my entire life. I've never, I've never had a black teacher in my life. So. Wow. I actually didn't know that. You didn't? I think it's just something that is like so embarrassing. Like as a, as a black woman, all of that goes to say a lot of the time I felt the need to feel like the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. So I felt the need that I needed to be super eloquent and the most articulate and never questioned about where I came from, especially because English is my second language and I come from the Bronx. Um, and I was always like having these discourses about like my identity with people. 
Um, so whenever I was in school, I spoke extremely proper, especially with what I was studying. I wanted to pursue law because, and that's why my undergrad was in political science. I'm fully a dropout, y'all. Like, that, that didn't happen. You can hear me on a podcast. But all that, I'm dead. All that aside, um, I like aggressively had to code switch. And it's funny because growing up, I didn't have that term. Code switching is something that I always did. And black people knew that we did it. Like I knew that around other black people, I could be like, ugh. Yo, the way, like, that ass, I'm so tired. Like, I could speak like that around certain people and I couldn't around others. Like, I knew at home I could speak that way. Mm-hmm. I knew at school I couldn't. So I would have to code switch. Um, but I thank God as I got older, I was like, I'm intelligent and my thoughts and my opinions are valid no matter how I'm speaking or what vernacular I'm using. And I deserve to be listened to because I'm a human being. <laughs> and I should be respected for my humanity. And I'm very, like, privileged now because I am, like, you know, quote, unquote, in the entertainment industry that I feel less of a need to code switch. Yeah. And I think also, like, with wisdom as an adult, as a grown-ass, you know, Afro-Latina woman, I've also said, like, I want to not engage in respectability politics as much. I still have to. We Like, it's it's bureaucracy. It's the world that we live in. So I still code switch. But I think I'm more active about saying, like, if I want to say it like this, I'm going to say it like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I had to code switch. And I think a lot of people do. And I think queer people do, too. Like, I think there's a difference between being in, like, you know, queer spaces and people being like, yo, you just ate. Like, you're giving everything that I need and more. Like, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. Like, I have a best friend now that's Latino that would never speak like that in work spaces um, because he has kept, like, his sexuality private. Um... But with me and with people of color and queer people, he will. So it's 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 very like interesting. I also feel like well, first of all, thank you for sharing that, Alicia, with us. Um, yeah, thank you. And I think it's important to also also say that it is never a black or brown or queer person's job to educate the rest of us. It yeah. is never your job. So thank you for taking the time to yeah, even thank you. do that for Thanks. us because it is our responsibility and it's our duty, not only as just humans like decent human beings, but also to show support, encouragement, uplift, and allyship to do the research ourselves. And I think uh, Josie brought up a really important thing, and that's do your own fucking research. Ask yourself these questions, because I understand there's a lot of things. Like when I was younger, I used to say, no cap, dead ass. And I had no idea where they came from. Yeah, I remember we've talked about that. And it's a lot of unlearning that you have to do. And once you acknowledge that, but you don't change anything, then that's willful ignorance. Mm-hmm. And that is, un- and that's racism. And you're being complicit in like oppression and 100%. people being invalidated in their community. And I have to say to Josie, and Yaz, thank you as sisters for always making me feel safe enough to have these conversations because I think a lot of black people ha- feel the need to like dilute their real voice mm. or invalidate who they are so that they can assimilate or because they feel like they're going to be combated. And I feel empowered not only because of my journey, but because of amazing, lovely people such as you guys, to know that I'm going to be supported when Always. I say, yo, that isn't cool. Like, like, dead that. Like, I don't feel comfortable with you saying that. I mm. feel unsafe. And I know I'm going to be supported by y'all. And not to sound cliche, but these are the conversations that change things. Like, also me, I'm not perfect. I don't know where everything comes from. I'm going to sit there and do my due diligence. Like, I'm going to look shit up. And I'm going to also be honest from where I come from and use the words that I have grown up hearing. I'm not going to try to like co-opt certain words that I use and switch them for other ones because I think they're more popular. I think things are also about sincerity and authenticity, like going back and answering Josie's question. And then also like 
I this is like a super personal story, but here's to the pod. Um, one of my best friends from high school, um, we were talking about the entire like rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. This is a white woman. We were very close in high school. And she straight up in a car like on the way to Duncan while I was home, while I was protesting and stuff. She was just like, I just want to say like, I'm sorry for everything that you experienced and that I took a hand and not standing up for you. And she said something like that was a really beautiful conversation. Like still to this day, it was a really formative moment for us. But then she said something that got me really emotional at the time. And I was really offended. And I'm glad that it could be an educational moment. But she said, I just wish other black people spoke like you. Like weren't so angry or didn't like, you know, like talk the way they do at protest. And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was like, you know what I mean? Like you've given speeches at protest and you have talked about things, but like you talk about it in a certain way that I feel like I understand. And she's basically saying you're not an angry black woman talking. (laughs) That's basically what she was saying. And I don't think that she understood like how Mm. much anger like rose in me at the time. Yeah. And then me. Um, because I am who I am, immediately started to change how I spoke. (laughs) And I was like, let me keep it a buck with you. Like, let me keep it a hundred right now. And I was like, whether I am speaking like this and talking about, you know, oppression and systemic racism and institutionalized oppression. And if I'm speaking like that, or if dead ass be, yo, like these cops are killing us in the streets. And as black people, we don't feel. And if I'm talking like that and with a little bit more grit and a little bit more anger, you should be listening to us regardless. So I said, what you just said is extremely offensive. Right. She, she took a step back and she was like, oh, because um, that definitely was not the response that she thought she was going to get. But then from that moment on, we're still friends. I still love that woman. But it just, it took me aback because it, I think it reminded me how many people think that way. Yeah. 100%. And I mean, I think also, I mean, I wasn't there in that car, but I think what I can imagine her ignorance was also coming from was of someone being like, why can't someone be less upset about something that is affecting them, which Mm -hmm. is the most counterintuitive question because you can't ask someone to not be upset about something that they're the victim of. And just because Alicia has gained the strength and the peace and the courage with her relationship with God and the world to be so gracious in expressing, you know, how she feels to people like us, like doesn't mean that everyone has to go out of their way to do the exact 100%. same and people react the way they react. But that also just goes in with, um, I mean, all, before I start wrapping this up, also just like you should never comment on anyone's speech pattern, language, vernacular, no. flow <laughs> in yeah. general. Like the amount of times I've heard people say like, oh, Alicia is so articulate. Like your friend is so articulate. Or, you know, I've never heard anyone say that about my white friends. And that's not just because they are marginally stupider than Alicia, but it's also because they are white. And <laughs> yeah. and, and and no one yeah. expects... Josie no Wilson. One, like, no one doesn't expect, you know, a white person to to not sound articulate but they expect for some reason black people to not meet a bar of of how they of linguistics or what is you know appropriate for them so to those people i just say like and anyone you know all that we're asking is to think a little bit more before you say and before you do something and 
in a world where, you know, culture is constantly shifting, we have to remember that the people steering these ships and the people that have been steering these ships for a long, long years and time, times, times ago are people of color. They are queer people. And, you know, there are white people too. Like, I'm sure white people are starting trends too. Like, uh, the, the best pro hat you know, is a cute moment. And I should shout out to all yeah, my Yeah, fishing. Oh, Not even that. Wait, that's, wait, that's not I, even come from white people. I heard a TikToker be like, why are y'all using, like a white TikToker was telling other white people, stop using, um, be fucking for real. Like, why don't you use you're just yanking my chain right now. Please, 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 or please, like, please. There were like other things that You're sure crazy for crying. that one. Like, like, yeehaw, yeehaw. You guys have that. Good job. Stop. Um, but I do want to give credit where credit is so importantly due to the people who really paved the way. And I think it's important to say their names as well and like give them credit. And this is specifically within the LGBTQ community and they are black and brown um, individuals. I know I, I I they're more than just individuals. Icons, they are legends, legends icons. They're Willie Ninja, Dorian Corey, Pepper LaBeja, Angie Extravaganza, RuPaul, Junior LaBeja, Brooke Extravaganza, all of these queer black and brown individuals, I'm getting goosebumps talking about them, have done this for decades, especially in a time that was so much harder than what it is today. And they went to a place, they had those walks and also bring this can be a different episode, but TikTok dances, TikTok dances, voguing, uh, ballroom challenges, catwalks, all of those stem from black and brown queer people. Very true. And these white peoples are going on Ellen DeGeneres, the Kelly Clarkson show, and they're getting brand deals from Pretty Little Thing because they're they're doing these dances in live audiences when they're not even getting giving credit to the black and brown founders Creators, of yeah. these. Sure. So I want to give those people credit and if you're listening to this, I really implore you to do the research and actually ask your ask yourself these questions because we have so much on learning to do. And it not only shows that you're a better ally, but it literally makes the world a better place. And it makes a safer place for our family, for our friends. Please. Yeah. Sorry. So all that goes to say, if you're worried on whether you should say a word or it feels unnatural, don't. Um, and then to also our queer LGBTQIA plus and black siblings, be you, you are valid in the way that you use your voice and the way that you speak. Don't let anybody change you and, uh, keep slaying and giving all that you got. <laughs> or don't because you can't say it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Period! <laughs> guys come on in take a seat this is cafecito with me alicia where i will spill tea get into some news and honestly sometimes just talk shit about things that bother me as a black latina woman in this country and today we have to we have to speak about non-black people wearing braids hi braids the thing that is in my head and i look phenomenal in yes take it in Shout out to FMA, my hair braider. Yes, queen. Support black women and get your hair braided by black women if you're black. But anyways, 
I don't know what it is. Like, I've been getting my hair braided since I was a little girl um, because I love my crown and I love my hair and it's a wear, it's a way to wear my hair. Um, but as of late, I've been seeing it more and more and more of non-black people, specifically white people, wearing braids and locks. And I'm just... I just want to have a meeting. What's going on? I don't know if it's because I've been going to more music festivals or I'm in LA where people think that they're free and don't see color, whatever the hell that means, because that doesn't exist. But I keep seeing <laughs> white people wearing locks and braids and trying to debate me when I tell them that they shouldn't be in braids. Look, I'm not here to police anybody's language or self-expression, but I'm going to give you a couple reasons on why it isn't okay. Number one, cultural relativism and context. You don't know what that means. Look it up in a book, but I'll try to explain it to you. It means that for us, braids is not just a hairstyle. For black people, we have historically always worn braids, not only to protect our hair, but it has also been a way to freedom. People were wearing braids on slave ships when African people were enslaved and would hide rice in their braids to survive on these ships where they weren't getting food. In addition, Black people would braid maps into their hair in the South of America so that they would know the way to go, the freedom to get to the North. So braids are not just a hairstyle for us. It is ours. It has historical. It is the way that we celebrate each other. It is literally and figuratively a protective style and also has been demonized and stigmatized in the workplace so much so that we had to put in legislation so that we wouldn't get discriminated against for our braids and for our crowns. It's called the Crown Act Supporting. But most importantly, you guys look bad. You look ugly. Like, it doesn't look good. I'm sorry, sometimes you smell bad. I'm just going to say it. I don't care. Um, because you don't know how to keep it up. And also, your hair textures aren't made for it. So... Do you want to end up with bald spots and looking crazy? Don't do it. And also, Josie, Yaz, and I have all very much so made people feel uncomfortable around us for wearing braids and locks if you're white. And I don't care if your great-great-grandfather is black. Do you navigate the world as a black person? Oh, you don't? Then don't wear braids and locks. It's that easy. Thanks for drinking some coffee with me. Cafecito. Cheers. Salud. Okay, guys. <laughs> Back. Wait. Connection. I'm alone in the wilderness. Um, so Scotland. I'm joining via cell phone now. But that was a great combo, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is deranged. Yes. This? Um, Josie, to you via Scotland on my phone. Uh, it was a great episode. Uh, did you guys enjoy it? Did you learn something? Thank you for allowing me the space. Rant. Always, always, I, always. I think it's important no matter what, not only as like your best friends and sisters, but also just as people of the world to give you the space to uplift you, to encourage you. It's not only, um, I see a lot of like slogans on infographics, like support black mm. and brown people. It's That's the bare minimum. It's encourage, it's love, it's uplift. Yeah. And be authentic about and your mean support. It. Yeah. yeah, so. Um, give them your money. Reparations. Well, you know where I Reparations. Stand. Reparations out of way. Or their or their trans best friends money. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Show up and pay up. Be about it. Don't just talk about it, right? Keep it a buck. But anyways, yeah. 
Um, do some, yeah, do some franchise people. Like, don't police your language. Talk however you want to talk. And also, people from not those communities, be cool. Show up. Be a Gen Zer if you are that. But uh, don't use anything that's not authentic. So Yeah, if you're going to use guys, slay, period, reading, giving. Girl, you better know where that came from. Yeah. And so turn up say. on this Thursday. Have a great day. Happy Thursday. Oh, whatever day you're listening. Josie? Oh, um, uh, goodbye. And... <laughs> And in a universal language, everyone can understand. Have a beautiful day. If you're of age, you better swig that bottle of liquor. Oh, all right. Okay, so thank you so much. Bye, you guys. Bye. You better hit that. Adios. Bye. Pasa buen día. Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer, and Sandy Girard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamadi. And me, Alicia Pascual Peña. Vasilis Fotapolis and Charlotte Landis, they are both our engineers. Brian Vasquez is our editor and theme music composer. Our video producers are Mac DeGroote, Narm Melconian, and Delon Villanueva and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good. <laughs>